Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, December 12th, 2017. Shaka and I are here to talk about a weekend that will live in infamy in my mind. Uh, I, um, okay, listen, before I just get into this, as I was just telling Shaka moments ago, this is going to be a little therapeutic for me. Um, Shaka, do you have any opening thoughts before I get into what transpired on Sunday? Are we talking about for the team in question specifically, or are we just talking about the league in general? Uh, let's just talk about the league in general before I get completely into the rabbit hole that is the Wentz injury. Go ahead. I just want to point out a couple of notable injuries and transactions. Ryan Shazer is officially on the injured reserve list, mm. which is, I mean, I, I, I still feel like the reporting on his injury has been very weird. I agree. I'm not sure to, uh, if he's actually still somewhat paralyzed, fully paralyzed, going to be okay. And it's a little bit unsettling. I wish that usually when you get an injury report, you know right away if the guy's okay or not after the game. This has been a little bit disturbing. Let's put that out there. I think the injury itself, like there must be, like it must be so horrific. That's why they're not saying anything. And that's what's even that's know. shocking. What's the, the the Chicago Bears tight end who almost had his leg amputated? Uh, Zach Miller. Zach Miller, you know, that took a while to finally figure. I mean, and even then, you still got moments to moment that he may need an amputation like that night. Yeah. You know, so I feel like this has been, I mean, you know, thoughts and prayers are a terrible term in this day and age. But I really, that really goes out to him, uh, number one. Number two, the Patriots just are close to signing Kenny Britt. Oh, my at God. Receiver. And Kenny Britt has, you know, he's one of those Steeler, super talented wide receiver rejects that is still floating around the league like Mike Wallace. Um, and I think he might actually kind of be a light in the dark because they need a little bit more help uh, on offense after last weekend. They looked naked without um, Gronkowski. I agree. Go ahead. No, please, go ahead. No, I'm saying I'm done. That's it. You may <laughs> you may start us off down this, this long, winding road. No, I'm, I'm with you with Britt, though, because, listen, I think Britt did a nice job with the Rams last year, and Cleveland clearly figures out a way to make everybody look like dog shit, so – uh, Kenny Britt is sneaky good, man. He's he he has an, uh, this tendency of just shaking off. It, it almost seems like he puts a defender to sleep, and then you know the eleventh or twelfth play of a, a game, he's all of a sudden wide open and downfield. So he has his moments. Yeah, and if anybody's going to get him to produce at a high level, it'll be the Patriots. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Carson Wentz tore his ACL on Sunday during the Eagles' victory over the Rams. Going into this game, there was this sense of, you know, this is a big test for them. We talked about it, about how this West Coast road trip against Seattle and L.A. was going to be a big test. Uh, the Eagles playing a real playoff team. The Eagles clinched the division. They have the number one record in the league, tied with the Steelers. Um, but Wentz is done for the year. And Chaka, I, I, Chaka I've been in shock for the last couple of days. I I didn't want to listen to any of the sports commentary. I didn't want to read any of the stuff. I didn't watch any of the games on Sunday night. I didn't really track what the hell happened in the afternoon games because, listen, I know reports trickled out, but I'm a fan and I'm watching it and I saw it happen, okay? I saw his knee buckle. I saw him looking awkward afterwards. And I'm also going to come out with another personal matter here, which is that um, me personally, Sam, I'm a I'm a I'm a pale guy, and when I get you know worked up or I get emotional, I, my face flushes out and it gets very red. You can really tell my emotions at that moment, whether I'm 
angry or upset or happy, it's hard for me to hide it. When Carson Wentz got injured, he's he's a redheaded dude. He's a ginger. He's a pale guy. He got flushed. His entire face was beat red. His whole torso was beat red. And at that moment, I'm sitting here going, that man on the field, not talking to anybody else, in his head, he knows something's wrong. And before everybody else knew anything was wrong, he fucking knew everything was wrong. All the plays afterwards, the rest of the drive, it all looked disturbing. So then to see it all slowly unravel, it's like I knew it was happening before it was happening. And Shaka... When we go into football as fans, every year we go into this and we know, we know in our hearts that the norm is that your team is not going to win the Super Bowl, okay? If you were a Bears fan and you came into this season, you knew your team wasn't going to win the Super Bowl. No offense to you, Shotgun, as a Jets fan, you came into this season knowing your team was not going to win the Super Bowl, okay? That is the fucking norm. The magic, the anomaly, the, the one in a million chance, the thing that doesn't happen, is seeing the possibility that your team could win the Super Bowl. Seeing the possibility that your defense is clicking, your offense is clicking, the skill position players are outperforming themselves, you're sustaining injuries and everything is still clicking. You start to look at the team and you say, where are the flaws? And there aren't any. And then it starts to become real. They start to talk about MVP discussions. They start to talk about how your team is now the national story. Your t- I'm sitting here a week or two ago on our podcast saying my fear is that the Eagles are going to get to the Super Bowl and lose to goddamn Tom Brady and the Patriots all over again. Right. Little did I know that my fear was going to be actualized on Sunday. I had my wife Campbell looking at me saying, hey, the Eagles won. And I was like, doesn't, doesn't matter doesn't fucking matter. There's nothing impressive or, or that I can take away from this game because I know Carson Wentz is done for the season. I know we're going to go into the rest of the season in this fucking playoff run with Nick Foles. And listen, I don't have any beef with Nick Foles, but he's a known quantity. He's not dog shit like Mark Sanchez, but I know what I'm getting with this guy. I know what he doesn't do. I know that they're, he's not nearly as mobile as Wentz. I know he can't move around in the pocket or hit those passers like Wentz. I know he can't scramble for the first down. I know this. So to see this happen, to see it unravel in front of me, to kind of get so close to the mountaintop, to see it forming in front of me and to look at everybody throughout the season and say, listen, it's a pretty damn good time to be an Eagles fan. I come away and I'm just sitting here saying this fucking, I hate this fucking game. Why the fuck am I so invested in it? Why do I care about it as much? Because it just all got dashed and it's going to be fun to watch the rest of the season. It's going to be fun to watch the playoffs and you know, it's, it's, I'm glad everyone's hopeful. I'm glad there's a next man up mentality. But if you're a Patriots fan and Tom Brady tore his ACL on Sunday, you wouldn't think they were winning the Super Bowl. If you were a Steelers fan and Roethlisberger tore his ACL, you wouldn't think they're winning the Super Bowl. So when you're an Eagles fan and Wentz tears his ACL, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl anymore. And thank you for letting me rant because I'm, I'm clearly going through something right now. I am a true fan and I don't care if people want to say, oh, you're going to shit on your team. You're not a good... Fuck that, okay? That was really tough to go through on Sunday. And <sighs> thanks for listening, Shaka. Is there any input that is actually critical that you can uh, that you can put forth aside from me just ranting? Well, let me get off my chest. Um, I hate Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, th- thank you. I'm with you there. One of the dumbest things I've heard him say, and it seems a little bit counter to kind of some of the things we've talked about in other episodes is he thinks that Colin Kaepernick should get a chance 
at quarterback for the Eagles. Ridiculous. Which is fucking crazy. One, because he hasn't played all year. We have no idea. I mean, I don't know what kind of shape he's in. And also, just mentally speaking, he has not gone through the rigors of a football season. So, uh, shut the fuck up, Stephen A. Smith. Thank That's you. number one. Number two, and I were texting back and forth during the game. And you, you were the first person to say, I think he tore his ACL. And you said it, like, not very long after the play happened. And I was very skeptical I said, come on i mean it didn't look that bad mm-hmm. and i afterwards i said you know he played through the series scored a touchdown um but man I, I, and the, you know as the day goes on the the reports are rolling in that they're afraid he tore his acl they're afraid he tore his acl and i'm like oh fuck i mean if if that's the fear uh, there's no way this is just a sprain this is not like one of those things where like his where his situation will be upgraded as you know the day moves along. This is like kind of a done deal. They just hadn't put him on the table and run him through the machine yet. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it. I'm not even an Eagles fan. I'm just shocked as you are because it's of all the things, the unlikely things to happen, and just on that play. Yeah. You know, like I mean, Carson Wentz was just being Carson Wentz, being this you know a tough, gutsy guy who will surprisingly run the football on you when you least expected it, and uh, this happens. So, I mean, just one projection for next year is I feel almost like the Eagles are probably going to kind of talk him away a little bit from his scrambles or at least being a little bit more defensive yeah. on his scrambles after this. You know, but again, no one no one saw this shit coming. And there's tons of quarterbacks who run the football and kind of take some rough hits. So, I, I just stunning, stunning development to happen here. Yeah. Um, now talking about Nick Foles. I've always been a little bit surprised that the Eagles um, kind of let him go in terms of development. They kind of let him go early, I always thought, because he always had some flashes of brilliance, especially that one year um, Mike Vick got injured and he actually gets to play. And I said to myself, I was like, oh, my God, Nick Foles actually, you you know, I don't want to equate him to a Kobe Bryant per se, but it was that kind of turning the corner moment where Kobe went from being just kind of this, like, guy who just dunked the basketball left and right to all of a sudden having that turnaround fadeaway jump shot. Mm. It was all of a sudden, oh, my God, Nick Foles actually can play quarterback. Like, you know, and but then again, but to take this with a grain of salt, he was playing under the Chip Kelly offense. So, um, I mean, maybe that just worked for him. Him coming in in relief with Carson Lentz, uh, look, he did what he needed to do. He didn't turn the football over. Mm. He looked a little bit rusty, which, I mean, all things considered, it's fine, especially against a Rams defense. Um, but he did it just enough to kind of pull it out and get the W. I I know you're saying that there's not really any silver linings to be had in terms of uh, everything that's happened, but you could do a lot fucking worse than Nick Foles. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. You can do a lot worse. Um, as as far as Nick Foles goes, you know he went to he went to Arizona and things didn't really pan out there. He's kind of had an up and down ride. But he's still a pretty young guy as far as quarterbacks go. Yeah. He's still got a pretty good arm. I think his arm's pretty solid. They obviously weren't going to try and test that against the Rams. And, I mean, you know, just bringing him in cold turkey. So, I think I think they're going to have to kind of – honestly, I think they should probably do what people not expect. And you have a quarterback like this coming in, you know, and he's not Carson Wentz. Uh, when you play against Carson Wentz, you know that every now and then the Eagles are going to air the football out because Carson Wentz has that ability. 
I think they should do this with Nick Foles. They should go in, and not, he's not going to be able to produce on the same level. Yeah. But you should still offer the same kind of surprise and say, you know, you didn't think we are going to throw it deep on you, but we will. You know, and catch teams flat-footed. Because the defense is still there. You still have all the offensive pieces. You got Jay Ajayi. You got LeGarrette Blunt. You got plenty of talent around him. So he doesn't have to be the man. He just has to not turn the football over. Mm. Um, this is really good points, and thanks for sort of bringing me back down to earth because I feel like that's the only thing that's getting me through this right now. L- let's. Uh, I want to kind of use that to jump off and and discuss the game because one of the things that's overshadowed is the Eagles looked amazing in this game. This was a hell of a game between two NFC powerhouses, the Rams and the Eagles. And, I mean, it was back and forth. Eagles jumped out to an early lead. Uh, the Rams came back and took the lead back. I mean, they had a blocked punt return for a touchdown, and I'm, I watched this whole game about two or three possessions earlier, they also had a blocked punt. It wasn't a blocked punt, but they came about a millimeter close to blocking it. So that's really something to be said for the special teams of the Rams. And also, this is a pretty tenacious Rams defense. Eagles were able to move the ball on them. was not easy, but they were able to move the ball on them. And then in the fourth quarter, Nick Foles, to his credit... He had an amazing, like, I think third down conversion pass to Nelson Aguilar, which was probably the best play he made all day. Let's... That was one of the biggest plays of the game because I kept that drive alive and just kept the football. Exactly. In and he had to drive down the field twice to kick two field goals to win that game. So this was a come from behind victory that Nick Foles led. So there are some things that you can take away from this that are really, really positive. And I mean, this is a gutsy Eagles team that you're absolutely right. Without Wentz, there's still a lot going on with this team. Front seven and the defense is nasty. Fletcher Cox is absolutely back. Ronald Darby's back. Everything about that defense is getting healthier. Then you've got the offensive skill position players with Ajayi and Alshon Jeffrey. All these guys have been doing great, and they're going to ensure and really create a nice cushion for Foles to come in and try to do what he does. The negatives are there are a lot of things that Wentz was covering up. Wentz's mobility in the pocket his ability to run for that first down, his ability to kind of move and and just buy himself a little extra time, that's what Foles doesn't have. And I think that some of that mobility, you know, was able to cover up the fact that we're missing Jason Peters and Halapuli Vatavaitai is the guy who's doing the left side. You know, those, those little intangibles by Wentz are kind of covering up the weaknesses you put Foles under center, I think you're going to see that a little bit more. Why do I feel like you're going to see Vitae getting attacked on the left side more, Foles not getting enough time, and then the timing on his pass to Aguilar not being exactly perfect as it needs to be? That's where I see the weaknesses coming out. Now, listen, the Eagles are playing the Giants, the Raiders, and the Cowboys. I don't think much of any of those teams, and they're already in the playoffs. So I probably think they're going to squeak out at least one or two wins to give them at least a bye. But I mean... Even if you've got a bye and you've got Nick Foles in the NFC Championship game or even Nick Foles in the Super Bowl, you know, there's a ceiling that you kind of have to say, I don't really know how far we can go beyond this. Unless you're thinking this is going to turn into the 2015 Broncos and the defense is just going to become world beaters and all you need to do with Nick Foles is just don't turn the ball over and make one play a game. I mean, that's what I'm seeing. kind of incredible. I mean, that would honestly be kind of incredible. I'll, I'll counter a little bit and I mean... I'll have to say from the standpoint that the Eagles coaching staff has to know, obviously, there's going to be a downgrade in terms of, like you said, mobility. Yeah. And you get from Nick Foles. He's not going to be able to improvise and scramble. Because, I mean, once once just had an uncanny knack, un, excuse me, uncanny knack of getting away 
from the sack, you know, and making that last second throw. Yeah. So I think they're to adjust because, again, that offensive line has its weaknesses. Vitae definitely has, you know, some downside. So I, I think part of what they really need to do is kind of go back and look and, you know, play to what your quarterback's strengths are. That's what they did with Carson Wentz and why they were so successful. Yeah. You kind of have to not necessarily change the offense, but they definitely have to implement plays that benefit Nick Foles. He's, like I said, he's got a pretty good arm. You maybe have to come out of the shotgun a little bit more often to kind of give him time and give the pass protection the opportunity to give him, uh, you know, the breath he needs to, to do the read down the field and not, you know, have to worry about getting blitz. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to do some changes. going to be some adjustments in terms of how this offense runs. And I think, look, they're probably going to have to look back at some of the older footage in terms of, like, those big moments when Nick Foles was actually playing well. Yeah. You know, what are the situations that he's most comfortable in? One of those opportunities where he's, you know, what plays are he are they running that he was, you know, a fish in water, so to speak, where he didn't feel, you know, like all of a sudden he had all these new assignments and responsibilities where he was just playing football. Yeah. So there's going to have to be some adjustments to make him more successful. But like I said, you, and one of the scenarios I was thinking about, too, earlier is just, you kind of have to look at this like you look at the Saints. Yes, Drew Brees is a great quarterback, but he doesn't have to do everything. You've got a one-two puncher running back that can take a lot of the pressure off and run down a lot of the clock. And then every now and then, if you need to throw the football, you can throw the football. So I think they kind of have to reassure Nick Foles that it's not all on his shoulders. So he has a team around him and that, you know, they're going to make any strides and kind of look like they're actually still, you know, a playoff team that's going to give you a problem and that they're going for a Super Bowl they're going to have to kind of recognize that and instill that in him that he's playing on a team and he's not, he's not the man, you know? I, uh, dude, I couldn't agree more because that's the only way they're going to, that's the only path to success for them is understanding that Foles doesn't have to do everything. And oh, man, I'm just trying to, and I'm gonna, The last thing I'll say is I'm going to echo you again, which is that, you know, you started this conversation by saying Wentz, He's been doing crazy plays like this all season. These mobility plays where he shakes off a tackle or gets hit hard. And I mean, dude, I'm going to echo you again. You know, they got to talk to him about it because he can't take hits like this. And you know what? One wrong hit was the whole fucking season. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things. I feel like this happens with any athlete in any sport, really, where you kind of tell him, hey, don't do that thing that you've been doing all your life. Like, you have to stop doing that. It's a weird obviously it's going to be a weird thing. I don't think it's going to be, you know, instantaneous next season. He's going to have those moments. They're going to be instinctual where he's going to scramble and you're going to be holding your fucking breath. You're going to be like, Oh my God, he's going to get, you know, do you think he's made out of glass? Even in actuality, he's not, he's taking a lot of big hits this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this one was just, again, it's just positioning and football. I mean, that's the really fucking thing about football. When you think about like linemen, when they get rolled up on it's oh. you know, sometimes they're, they're just, it happens to just their blind side or like their back is completely turned. It's just, it's shit luck is nine times out of 10. When you tear an ACL or, you know, like an Achilles, it's just really, really bad luck. God. Oh, preach on Shaka. That's all you can do, man. Jesus. All right. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, let's, um, okay. I, I feel a little bit better. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope everyone That's else right. got a little something out of that too. Um, 
Let's move on. Let's talk about NFC playoff picture. A couple of other games I wanted to discuss with Shaka was uh, most notably the Panthers beating the Vikings. So the Vikings were the other sort of world-beating NFC, you know, uh, player out there that was also at the top of the of the conference and really sort of, you know, turning heads. They finally got beat by Carolina, who who really showed up. Carolina was able to run all over that staunch Vikings defense. Cam Newton made some gigantic plays, most notably a 60-yard run to end the game and a beautiful touchdown pass to Devin Funchess. And the defense, I thought the defense, you know, listen, I think the defense for Carolina had some issues in the second half that allowed Minnesota to come back in the game. But the fact that the Panthers, kind of, that this was a statement game in my opinion. And I guess I want to get your thoughts, Shaka, on, you know, what does this mean for the playoff picture? Because do we now see, because as we're going into this playoffs, you know, I think we look at the contenders and we look at their quarterbacks and it's sort of like, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers is always sort of this threat and, you know, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks always this threat. But now you look at the NFC playoff picture and we're dealing with this new crop of quarterbacks. Up until a few days ago, it was Wentz and Case Keenum and Jared Goff. Now it's probably looking like it's going to be Nick Foles and Case Keenum and Jared Goff. And so the, the heavy hitters like Drew Brees and the Saints like Cam Newton and the Panthers. These guys are all of a sudden lurking at the end of the season, and they're kind of getting hot at the right time. So what do you think about this Panthers team? Like, how deep can they go, and and do we need to fear them beating teams like the Eagles and the Vikings in the playoffs? Well, you know what? The Panthers are a very, very, very interesting situation, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of looking at this playoff outlook. Um. I still feel the same way, and I've said it. I'm sure I've said it on a couple podcasts. I still think the Panthers go the way of of Cam Newton. I really, I think what happened, and you notice this particularly in this Minnesota game, was the Vikings' defense been so staunch. They've been on top of every quarterback, and I really don't think they had an answer for Cam Newton's mobility and just his. He got out of so many blitzes. Mm. And, really kind of extended these plays and I think they really were not prepared for that these little dink and dunk passes sometimes he's throwing like a little 15 yard pass in the middle of the field and it just kind of broke up the rallies that the Vikings you know just when they thought they had him pinned on third down all of a sudden there's a new set of downs and really threw them off and I think he just wore them down wore them down so that one particular play I think it was it was a third and one or fourth and one or fourth and two and Jonathan Stewart just broke free. Yeah. I mean, you know, just some good um, run blocking. There was nothing more to it and broke free for the touchdown. And that really kind of changed the momentum of the game. All of a sudden, Minnesota's playing from behind. Yeah. You know, and it's not something I think they're used to doing. It's not like they're, you know, big. Um, uh, they're not big on scoring, but they're not used to playing from behind, I think. And it kind of forced Case Keenum into some throws that are uncharacteristic. He underthrew a couple balls, especially to Adam Thielen. Mm. Uh, so I think it really kind of knocked the momentum that they're used to having out of them. And Cam Newton, again, just some really, really clutch Cam Newton-esque plays and, you know, sealed the game up for them. Now, with that said, I still feel like I'm not completely sold on the Panthers being as threatening as they look. I feel like they're definitely, like this game, you can almost imagine this game as a playoff game. It had that kind of vibe to it, that feel. Yeah. And I think the Panthers might come in and they might upset a team or two in the playoffs, but I still don't look at them as like a legit threat for the Super Bowl. Okay. No, I, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I kind of got a sense this was a little bit of a buzzsaw game, and, and you nailed it. Uh, Minnesota had to play from behind. 
And Minnesota hasn't played from behind most of the season, and that's clearly not their comfort zone. I mean, we saw that on Monday night with the Patriots. They had to play from behind, and that's not their comfort zone either. And I think a team like the Panthers, when they get up on you, and they were playing very physical, I mean, Jonathan Stewart had 100 yards rushing and three rushing touchdowns. And this is a team... Cam Newton's not throwing the ball. Like, I think the last several... When the hell was the last time Cam Newton threw for over 200 passing yards? This is not... Yeah, this has not been a season where he's trying to air it out and get it to Devin Funchess. I mean, hell, they traded Kelvin Benjamin. This is a situation where they wanted to run all over this Vikings defense. I think they wore him down with time of possession. And then on the other side of the ball, I mean, they were kind of pushing around the Vikings offensive line. And I think the offensive line has played well this season. It's really been more a product of the fact that the offensive line got a little hurt during this game. Um, But I agree with you. I don't know if we're going to be able to see this replicated in the playoffs. I mean, it's just Carolina has been so up and down and it feels like it's all kind of live and die by cam. If he has a good game, they win. If he has a bad game, they lose. So, I mean, I have more confidence in Minnesota's ability to replicate kind of this play again and again in the playoffs, but I mean, I just, Carolina, I can't trust what they're doing. I haven't seen them, I haven't been able to see them replicate it week after week. So, good game, but I'm sort of like, could they do it again? I I don't know. I'm skeptical. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Carolina. I mean, this is a damn good team on paper. I mean, the defense, and you call it, the defense has actually been playing pretty well. And they got a lot of pressure on Case Keenum. I think they're going to be able to, again, they're going to ruffle some feathers for sure. Um, Because I feel almost... I almost feel like they're a little bit under the radar. Even I'm under, you know, underrating them a little bit. And I think they they they're probably playing with a chip on their shoulder right now. Look, Minnesota. I, I would have never saw that coming. Uh, you know, I would have thought they would contain Cam Newton. Yeah. You know, it, it's not necessarily like you. There's a secret formula. It's just kind of keep him from scrambling. Keep him, you know, in the box. But they couldn't do it. They just really they they tried. And you know, towards the end of the game, man, that backbreaker of a run he had. Oh set up the last touchdown how do you answer that it was you know it was an option keep and he just shook the defender out of his pants and he was gone he's a big guy he's yeah. a big freaking guy and, and when he couldn't he, take him down when he's rumble i mean to quote chris berman rumbling stumbling down the sidelines that dude is huge when you try to go get the tackle and he's off and running i mean my god you need three people to take him down isn't that a great moment though when you kind of like you look at him in the backfield and you think oh he's just a quarterback but then it comes to scale when you see like a corner or a safety try to take him down, and then you really kind of see the up close like size difference. You're like, holy shit, he's a quarterback. He's like, a you monster. Can't it. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, uh, well, thank you for that because I, I still sort of, I, I'm still listen. I think Carolina is threatening, and they're still in the mix. I'm just not fully scared of them. I'm, I'm still more scared of the Vikings than I am of the Panthers right now. I just. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, and, and after seeing the Panthers sort of go up at like all season, it's like they're either scoring five, they're either scoring 10 points or they're scoring three points or they're, they're either scoring three points or 30 points. And every game they're either, you know, holding the team to three points or letting up 30 points. I, I don't know what the hell to make of them. Look, man, the, the Vikings were due for a bad game and I wouldn't even call this a bad game. It, it was pretty close till the end. They just got, they got outplayed just a little bit. And you know what? For a team like, you know, take the loss, just move on and get to the playoffs. Yep. All right, let's shift gears here. Let's go to the AFC real quick. Uh, so the, the Steelers come back and beat this Ravens team 39-38. Real barn burner, lots of scoring, especially against this Ravens team, which has one of the best defenses in the league. But again, 
Steelers come out, they take a lead, they end up, you know, losing the lead in the second half and then work some magic. Roethlisberger throws 500 yards, Antonio Brown doing anything he fucking wants to on the field. Le'Veon Bell just outshining every other skill position player in the entire league. You know, now the Steelers are sort of rising above this atrocious Ryan Shazier injury that we talked about earlier. They're 11-2. and They also have the best record in the league with the Eagles. People are talking about Antonio Brown for MVP. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow the fuck down. Um, But is this team for real? Because now everybody's getting excited for this matchup this weekend between the Steelers and the Patriots. Top two teams in the AFC. They've clearly set themselves apart, although Jacksonville's starting to creep and look dangerous now. But those are the two powerhouses. And after the Patriots just got embarrassed by the Dolphins on Monday Night Football, I think everyone's kind of feeling the Steelers. But I don't know yet. All right? I'm still not really sure how good the Steelers are. Are they, are they just getting good now? Or, you know, was the team I saw in the beginning of the season just trying to find their footing? Because with Shazier gone, now I'm a little skeptical about their defense. And now I'm sitting here saying, if you shut down these high-profile skill position players like Bell and Brown and Roethlisberger, is this Steelers team really as dangerous as it looks? Give, give me some of your thoughts here. Like, how far is this? How much noise is this Steelers team really going to make? Well, I still think, offensively speaking, that the Steelers are legit. I still think they're absolutely like, if we're saying on paper, I still think they're the most dangerous offense in the league. Um, I'd say even more so than the Rams, just because of, Ooh. I mean, Antonio Brown, if you if you gave him 20 targets a game, I still guarantee he gets 14 to 15 catches. It's yeah. just almost impossible to stop him. And if you looked at some of those plays in that game, especially the clutch plays where they needed those first downs, just the, the timing and the rhythm and the, the, the connection that Roethlisberger and Brown have, where he would catch it and immediately step out of bounds on a 40-yard pass, and you can look at that and say, man, how many times in the offseason did they drill that in? It's it's clockwork. It's, yeah. you know, it reminds me almost of um, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. Mm. Just the, way, you know, they, they're, the way their their precision route running and passing was just, you know, just unmatchable. Now, saying that, you're absolutely right. The Ryan Shazer injury, injury is huge because now, all of a sudden, Joe Flacco looks like an elite quarterback, which is one of the biggest jokes, you know, in the last <laughs> But He's I mean, getting paid more than anyone else in the league. Just uh, you're not that Baltimore is a bad team. They're, their defense is pretty good, and the defense has kept them in this playoff run and hunt. But I mean, the middle of the field, Alex Collins was Al- running all day. He ran all over the Steelers. He's a big guy, but he's not to me. He's you know he he's not he's not a top five, even a top ten back. But the Steelers made him look like one. He looked great, and I had to shake my head a couple times to kind of get myself out of the daze because I was like, is he that good? Or is it just the Steelers' defense is just have that glaring of a hole? And I'm going to go with the latter on that. Now, you look at their last three games, the the three teams that they've matched up with, and they've barely won, the Green Bay Packers. Mm. Uh, who did they play? Indianapolis Colts. Play Colts, and now yeah. You look at this game, I mean, those are three teams you're supposed to beat, number one. But just the, how close those games were and the amount of points that they gave up, it's a little bit nerve-wracking, but you know what? They're still winning. Granted, Ben Roethlisberger to throw the football 66 fucking times. Jesus Christ. You're still winning. You're still winning. So um, I think this Patriots game, I don't want to use the word statement game, but it's going to say a lot because I think that um, when you look at these teams, 
they, they both kind of have a lot of similarities. They both have um, comparable offenses. Yep. Um, their defenses aren't that great. Yep. Um, at least right now, I, I can't really. I mean, after I watched, I watched that Patriots game last night, and I just was kind of. I, I can see why they had to go out and sign Kenny Britt. They yeah. look a, they look a little flat. Dude, they were totally missing Gronkowski. They had zero third down conversions. I mean, which is crazy to me. I mean, this is this a is one of the most high powered offenses in the league. I've I've watched so many Patriots games just because of the division that I'm unfortunately stuck in, and how many times. <laughs> The third down pass is what they excel at. It should be automatic. It should be stocked on them alone. And lo and behold, they can't even do that with Danny Amendola on the field. So it was weird to watch. But I, I think this matchup, I think the Steelers are going to come in um, with a little bit of a thirst for revenge after last year. But I think the Patriots, I think the Patriots, especially Gronk, is going to come in, you know, probably a little bit chippy just from not being for that game. I think they're going to try and, uh, I think they're going to try and just punch the Steelers out of the house. I mean, everyone's kind of talking about the hype, and I'm sure the, the Patriots are insulted by the fact that they're being uh, compared on the same level with this team. I, I I mean, I agree with you. Listen, when it comes to Steelers-Pats, I'm always – until Tom Brady retires and Bill Belichick retires, I'm always betting on the Patriots. I just – you know, when you've got when you've got weaknesses on your defense, the Patriots are going to exploit it. They're going to figure out a way. And listen – Going to Miami, playing the Dolphins. Listen, that's a buzzsaw game. It's a divisional game. Things happen. I understand the Dolphins getting the better of them. But even going into Pittsburgh, Ben Roethlisberger, I think it's going to be a marquee game. But I just see Bill Belichick scheming in a way where they slow down that defense. Where Le'Veon Bell doesn't get all the touches. Um, you know, you, you double team Antonio Brown, you force, you know, Martavis Bryant and like Juju Smith Schuster to kill you. And I think that Bill Belichick will be like, all right, go ahead, guys. See if you can make that huge play. And if they can, yeah, he'll give them the touchdown. But I don't think you're going to see Juju Smith Schuster making five long plays a game like Antonio Brown can. And I think that that's what Belichick is going to try to do. And I just don't see the Steelers' ability to slow down Tom Brady or or get him to score, you know, less points. Like, Tom Brady's going to figure out a way to probably throw two or three touchdowns or get the ball to Rex Burkhead and Deion Lewis and have them run it in and do some weird screen pass or James White touchdown. Like, I just got to put my money on the Patriots here. It's hard to bet against them with a matchup like these two teams, especially when we've seen the Steelers nearly lose to three terrible teams over the last three weeks. Yeah, it's really, I mean, just a little bit of a head-scratcher, but I think we've kind of put it behind us because they won. Mm-hmm. Um, and now looking at that Steelers defense, I mean, the middle of the field last night was so wide open for everyone. I mean, on both sides of uh, the, uh, the football, but just particularly the Steelers, they look like they're hurting. And when you're talking about the Patriots, uh, Kenyon Drake looked like LaDainian Thomas. Oh, my God. Night. Just unbelievable. They kept they kept putting a stat on the line that said how many yards Kenyon Drake had, and then how many yards the whole Patriots team had. It was absurd how how just he looked. He looked like he should get a contract extension. (laughs) I mean, if you play like that for a few games, I mean, the Dolphins front office should really kind of like you know stroke the chins and go, you know what, we might have to hang on to this kid. (laughs) He's had a couple of um, moments this season where he's busted off some big runs. But he's shown that he's capable, one, of handling, you know, the the workload and just also just flexibility. He can catch it out of the backfield. He looks good. 
dude, keep playing the way he's playing. Hopefully he'll get paid. Listen, if he, if he, if he draws the, the, the positive feelings of the coaching staff and Adam Gase, reward him with a nice contract. I think he's a little undervalued. I mean, pay him a little less money. If he performs that well, you've got a great starting running back. Yeah. Okay. Let's finish this up with um, another quarterback injury, which is clearly not as high profile as Carson Wentz, but Josh McCown broke his hand. Um, so let's let's go to your Jets, Shaka, and, and I think it's very appropriate because your quarterback going down for the season and my quarterback going down for the season are clearly two different size stories in the scope of the NFL landscape. Again, yeah. reiterating my point about how special and magical this Eagles season was and how devastating it is to see the quarterback go down. Uh, but your Jets got embarrassed against the Broncos this Sunday, and um, McCown goes down with the hand injury. And now the fantasy that you and I had discussed about are we going to see Christian Hackenberg or are we going to see Bryce Petty – Come on, guys, you need to at least get them out there, give them some reps, get a chance to see which one of them is worth a damn. Now, they don't have to make that choice. McCown is done for the year, and we're going to see one of these quarterbacks. So my question to you is, which one do we see, and which one do you want to see? Shaka, give it to me. Well, if, if we're going to go straight forward here, the quarterback we're going to see is Bryce Petty. It's all but confirmed at this point. Just one because of... uh. Petty's comfort level uh, with Robbie Anderson on the field. Mm -hmm. um, and just, we know Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles likes experience. Uh, there's nothing against a young quarterback, but he likes he likes his vets. So in this situation, Bryce Petty is that vet. Who do I want to see? I want to see Christian Hackenberg. Because I need to kind of get this, we need to resolve this. We need to get this out once and for all. And look, you're not going to get, this is the, this is the uh, equivalent of a free play. You know, just just air it out, man. Put him on the field. He's had enough reps. He's had enough reps in practice for the last two fucking years that you can put him in a game. And it's not a high stakes situation, obviously, because the season the season's not a wash. The wash is a terrible term to use. But I mean, they're they're not going to be a threat. They're not going to be making the Super Bowl. They're not making the playoffs. You got the Chargers. Excuse me. You don't have to Chargers next. You got the Saints next, mm. and you have the Chargers, and you have the Patriots. At least, I at least expect to see Christian Hackenberg on the field by the time we're playing San Diego. And he doesn't have to start, but he's got to get some significant reps. He's got to get at least a quarter in. You know, I mean, even in this past game, it would not. Maybe the Broncos is probably a bad choice, but uh, I mean, God, it, it's it, they owe it to themselves, I think, in management. You, you invested so much in the second round pick. And he he literally cannot even sniff the dirt on the friggin' football field. Wait, um, let me let me ask if we don't if he doesn't Okay, if, if if he doesn't get on the field, if he doesn't get on the field in the rest of the season, what the hell do you do in the offseason? I mean definitively I think that's that pretty much speaks for itself is that you have no there's no there's a vote of no confidence. Mm. If he doesn't get any kind of playing time, I you have to feel like he's gonna be you know, like you might as well cut him next off season and draft a new quarterback. Yeah, it's just just call it what it is. It's a vote of no confidence at that point. You know, um, and again, we you and I have talked about our our lack of confidence in this future quarterback class. But if you're not even going to give him some reps, I would have to assume anyone you draft has got to be better than Christian Hackenberg. You know, whatever yeah. his mechanic issues, his accuracy issues that I've heard in whispered circles. That you know that 
concerns the coaching staff, you got to get over it. You got to put him in a fucking game. Maybe that kind of like shakes out the rough edges and kind of shell shocks him into improving. But I honestly, I'm just as confused as everyone else as to why we have seen that even. We can't even talk about Christian Hackenberg if he's good or bad because we have no fucking idea. Nope. We have nothing to go off of except like Twitter um, videos of him, you know, practicing passes and hitting reporters in the offseason. <laughs> That's all we have. So, I mean, they got they have nothing to lose uh, as far as I'm concerned. Just let the kid play. Let the kid play. We've said it. Let the kid play. Jets organization, why aren't you listening to Sam's Sports Podcast? Shaka said let the kid play. Let's see if he can play, goddammit. You're paying him enough money. Yeah, if he sucks, he sucks. And that's it. At least we know we can kind of, you know, clear the table. Just make it just shit or get off the pot. That's all we ask of you guys. That's all we ask. All right, we got to get the hell out of here. And I just want to thank everyone out there. I want to thank you, Shaka, for letting me uh, vent about the Wentz injury. It was it was tough to hear. I'm sure many fans out there are experiencing the same pain and shock that I'm going through. Uh, again, thank you very much for listening. But like I said, we're out of here. Uh, thanks for listening to Sam Sports Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Like my, uh, follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. You can email Shaka and I with mailbag questions or simply just tell us your thoughts on this Wentz injury at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Uh, listen, enjoy this weekend's slate of games. I'll try my best to enjoy it as, as much as I can. Same with Shaka as we look at our backup quarterbacks roll out this weekend. Um, but we'll be back next week and hopefully with some more positive thoughts, more positive juju and... I don't know, maybe a winning performance by Nick Foles and Christian Hackenberg. That would be lovely. Uh, Wouldn't it? It would be so lovely. But we are your humble Jets and Eagles fans, Shaka and Sam here, just trying to uh, keep our heads up and enjoy football as much as we can in these dire times. So uh, enjoy this weekend's slate of games, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the games.